This is the Capness HR Podcast, and we want you to be great every day. Join us as we transform the human resources outsourcing industry while we talk to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startup, and HR spaces. Now, please welcome your host, Jason Capness. Hello, and welcome to the HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Capness. Our guest today is Melissa Washington. Melissa, are you ready to be great today? Yes, absolutely. Melissa is the president and founder of the Women's Veteran Alliance. She's a service disabled veteran, small business owner, speaker, author, podcaster, and an award winner who is passionate about connecting women veterans across the nation. Melissa proudly served in the Navy and rather, rather than shoulder the burden of a dual service family, she decided to leave the military early to pursue a career while her husband spent 21 years on active duty. She earned her bachelor's degree in business and management and transitioned into a successful career in recruiting and human resources for more than 10 years, working for both boutique agencies and global, four, global 500 companies, global Fortune 500 companies. However, she was laid off from a job in 2009 due to a failing economy marking the beginning of a nearly two-year journey and career reinvention that allowed her to use her passion for helping others. It all started with holding LinkedIn workshops for job seekers at her dining room table then speaking at venues across the nation. In 2011, she started Melissa Washington Incorporated, which offers consulting services to businesses and individuals using LinkedIn for researching, recruiting, job seeking, and collaborating. Her journey took a little detour for four years as she actually went to work at LinkedIn, where she planned global corporate meeting events. In 2014, she authored the book, Get Back to Work, Smart and Savvy Real World Strategies to Make Your Next Career Move. Melissa has been featured in newspaper articles, TV, and radio, and she's a sought-out speaker as well. She is a go-to person for, for media when it comes to women veterans. She is married to her Marine husband for 22 years, and is a cooking mom for her daughter's Goat Scott Troop. And she has received numerous awards, recognition, and accolades. Unless you're definitely doing a lot and you're doing it all well. Thank you. So I'd like you to very turn, much. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to turn over you now and, and what you'd like to talk about right now. I mean, because you're doing so much, you have so much you'd like, I know you can offer to the listeners from your perspective. Absolutely. So I'll just go back to 2009 when I, when I got laid off from my job in corporate America. We all knew how the economy uh, was during that time. Thing was with me is my company had just relocated me a year prior up to the Sacramento area. So getting laid off and only knowing about five, it made it very difficult to start making some, you know, some additional connections in the area. So in 2010, I got involved with a job seekers group, and one of the the um, the topics on from this particular group I was in was how to use social media to find a job. So they talked about how to use Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Well, I know a lot about LinkedIn. I've been on LinkedIn since 2004. And so what I started to do is I started to hold LinkedIn workshops at my dining room table for job seekers. So it's 2010. Pretty much a lot of the people that were on LinkedIn were using it for job seeking. So I would ask them to bring their laptops, and I would set up a, a two-hour hands-on workshop and show them how they could set up their LinkedIn profile, how they could utilize LinkedIn to find opportunity and a lot of it with the importance of was networking and doing online networking because again you know now it's 2010 I mean the economy was still I mean it, it hadn't really started to pick and especially in Sacramento we were kind of towards the end um, 
when the, when the economy tanks, we go first because being the, the town that we are. So having it come to pick up. So I, I, I let people know, start connecting with people now because you can utilize those connections when the economy does start to pick up and new opportunities start to happen. Because uh, most people know that 80% of jobs are never posted. It's all about networking. So that's why LinkedIn is a fantastic tool for, for networking and, and connecting with people there. So that was pretty much 2010. I was, I don't like to use the word unemployed because it has such a negative connotation to it. I was pretty much on a journey of career reinvention. I mean, I'm still going out on interviews, still talking to people. I ended up being the director of uh, Active Job Seekers of America. And we had several groups and was active in that. Because during that time, people need to communicate and connect. And you, even though the person sitting next to you may not have a job, you never know who that person might know. So that's kind of where my story starts. Um, granted, my story started a long time ago, but that's really where the big change in my, my career path went. Yes, and I also want to take a time to thank you, Melissa, because I, I retired in 2015. And Melissa was one of the people I reached out to on LinkedIn to get some help, and she was a great help. It was oh. very, very, very beneficial. Absolutely. Very interesting too, the people we connect with. I mean, if you look, you know, how long we've been connected online and then finally getting to meet, you know, in a sense, face-to-face, yes. but via the internet, but how important it is to establish connections. And you don't have to have met the person to establish something on the internet because we're in a global workplace, um, the global economy. And to be able to connect with people and that could help you, whether it's with your job or help you get into a company, maybe you're in sales or marketing. It's all about connections. And I know I, I say that, but it's, a lot of people call me all the connector. I love to be able to connect people with, with people. Yes. So what's your philosophy on this on LinkedIn? There's some people on LinkedIn who like take a connection from anybody, don't care who it is. The other people like you have to like write a 20 page thesis. You, they got to know somebody else to know somebody. What's your philosophy on request a connection when they accept one? You know, it's interesting you ask that because that is always my number one connection, whether I'm speaking at a conference or doing team training or one-on-one. That's usually one of the top three calls I immediately get about the whole connection thing. So to me, I look at connections as your choice of who you want to connect with. And if you take a look at connecting with people, it's the same thing. So with LinkedIn, you're online networking. Now, if you take that and you go offline and say you're at a networking event, you're still networking, doing the same thing you would on LinkedIn. Granted, you get to meet the person when you can connect online. But again, we're in a different, it's, it's 2017. The, the workplace, is, again, is a lot different. The, we're just in a lot different place. So connecting with people, it, one, it's your choice to connect to them. If, so I'm not an open connector. I don't have 10,000 connections. I probably have close to 5,000. Granted, I've been on here with 13 years. Um, so I'm very particular on who I connect with. But one of the things that people I don't connect with are people without photos that's that's a huge pet <laughs> peeve of mine because again it's just like that in-person networking right mm-hmm. so there's and I, i'll post it occasionally on linkedin about it's a photo with their bag on the head right so if they walked into a networking meeting or a group and they didn't have you can see their face do you want to connect with them probably not right so same thing on is having a photo people are visual they want to see who that person is and make that connection and so that's that's one of my things so that they automatically get rejected i just I look through connection requests and that's automatic ignore. I I can Um, imagine you get a whole lot of them too. I I do. I do. It was interesting. um, One time there was this trend like North Africa. I was getting all these different connection requests from North Africa. I I don't know what it was. I don't know if my name was going around or what. So me being a prior military and very actively involved with veterans, I pretty much connect with all, you know, especially our transitioning military or veterans because I can help them, maybe not directly, but I can help connect them. Yeah, so that's I do the same imp- thing. Yeah, so that's important to me. And I, and I kind of take a look at their profile to see if there's a connection. Um, 
that we can make, but it's all about how you, how you leverage your connections. It doesn't mean you have to connect with everyone. I, I think I've gotten a little bit more lenient in the last couple of years, especially as I, I get out there a lot more often. And I love when people personalize requests. So my process is I go through no photos, ignore. And the next one is, okay, who's personalized it? Then I go to theirs first because I like when they send something or they say, hey, I came across your profile. And you can tell which ones are the, like the generic, hey, type thing. I mean, the LinkedIn ones, but there's other people I could see where they're copying and pasting from something else, another generic request. I came across your profile and I see a lot in common. And I go to their profile. I, I don't know what we have in common. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's that's just kind of my my thing on connection requests. Yeah, my, my pet peeve is like, I, I pretty much accept any requests. My pet peeve is like within 10 minutes that you're trying to sell me something, then I, and then I block me, you know. At least, you know, yeah. you say thank you for connecting, blah, 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 and send me two or three messages if you try to sell me something. That's my main pitch. Yeah. And those people, oh, absolutely. And I definitely remove them. But when I connect, when, when I do connect with someone that is some connection request, I reply back and thank them. Um, I also have a, a LinkedIn newsletter. So I ask them if they'd like to get on my newsletter. I don't automatically just put them on my newsletter list. Um, I, I do make sure that they say yes before I do that. So let's move to veterans for a minute. Now, there's so many organizations out there. Some are good, some not so good. But how, I mean, there's literally hundreds of them out there. Everybody's pro-veteran. How does a, a, a transition veteran know the right organization for him or her? Like, how do you go through all the noise and information overload that they have when they get out? So probably the biggest thing is finding a, um, a mentor, whether that mentor is within that organization or outside, and just finding a, a person that you can connect with and that can connect you with, with an organization that has experience. So that's the best thing. You know, when I do talk to um, our transitioning service members, I, I do let them know the importance of making those, establishing those connections before you even get out um, to look at the opportunities. Again, you know, a lot of jobs aren't listed, so making sure that you connect and making sure that it's, you know, it's the right company for you. I mean, I know the last few years, it's, it's all these companies keep, you know, they put up these banners of, we want to hire 10,000 veterans and their spouses. So, you know, it's just finding the, the right company for, for our transitioning um, service members. Yeah. So one thing about that, I, I think Starbucks is the only, only company that does that, but most companies say we're going to hire 10,000 in two years. But I think Starbucks is the only one that actually came back at the end of the two years and says, hey, we hired this many out of the 10,000, you know, so I give Starbucks credit for that. But most companies that is, you know, we want to hire, they don't say how many they actually hired. Oh, absolutely. It was interesting when this first little trend started coming out a few years ago, it was hiring, they just said military. And then they realized that probably couldn't get that many people that have served. So they opened it up to, to spouses as well, which makes sense as far as they're hiring. But you know, another thing too, which is interesting is some employees don't track veteran status. So when you look at that, or employees aren't checking that they're a veteran, and you'll see that more in the women population than the men. It does happen in the men population where a, women, a lot of women don't consider themselves veterans. So if you have an, an application or a form and you ask, are you in, you're going to get more no's than you would ask if you ask the question of, did you serve in the military? That's interesting. Yes. And it's, yeah. So it's, it's just changing that. So it's, it's also educating employers and others that collect information as they can change that question. They'll get more accurate data of those who have actually served. Do you think they answer no because they think if they answer yes, it'll be held against them? And Possibly, but a lot of people that have served do not consider themselves veterans. And they don't consider themselves veterans because they weren't in combat. Uh, they may not have went overseas. They may have had a short tour. So there's, there's different uh, reasons 
reasons why I feel that way. And some have even been told or if they served during peacetime. I get a lot of veterans um, that have served during the 80s because it was during the peacetime that don't consider themselves veterans. What happens that if, if you, you don't consider yourself a veteran is you don't take advantage of the benefits that yes. are out there um, that you've earned. And that's where, you know, I make sure I educate to let our men and women that have served, even the spouses, let them know, okay, these are the benefits that they are entitled to because they served our country. That's, that's very interesting. I didn't know that. And also, I don't know, have you heard the stat that says, I think I read it from the Army Times a long, about a year ago that most veterans, I think 80% or 60% of veterans leave, have two jobs in two years or some stat like that. I, I've seen those statistics. Um, and what's interesting too is, is a lot of our transitioning members, a lot of times they just take jobs. And that's why it's important too that we find mentors. And we also too, we educate employers on how they can best work with veterans. Because I've, I've come across years where some don't want to hire veterans because of the stigma, which is very unfortunate. And then some that, you know, that, that understand that, but also too, that veterans, sometimes there needs to be accommodations. And a lot of times our disabilities aren't physical disabilities. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and employers need to understand and respect that. And they also need to understand too, especially if a veteran is utilizing the VA for mental health, that it's important that our veterans get the time off to take care of themselves. It's not saying that they're bad. They just, they just need to make sure that they've got time um, to help them heal from whatever may have happened. That's very true, Melissa. Now let's move on to your, your successes. Yeah. I'd, like, I'd like for you to talk about a success you had in the past, what you learned from this success, and what we can learn from the success that you've had. Well, I wrote a book, and I'm not a writer, even though I am a writer. I hate to write. Um, that was very painful for me to put that book together. And it didn't get started off right because the first publishing company that I started with went me prep. So, what? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I had my, I had, you know, most of the manuscript done, you know, going through the whole process. And I, and, I, and I know they knew it when I started with them. So it's, then it was kind of that, that point where do I just say, okay, just forget it. Or do I find another publishing house and continue the process? So, you know, I found another one. I did um, kind of a semi quasi self publishing. I didn't want a full publisher because well, part of it, I, I like to be in control of things, but also I wanted to learn and understand better <laughs> the, the processes of writing a book and all what goes into it, because a lot does go into it. So I got to, you know, I utilized free press, which they were fantastic, because they, they give you like, um, like an a la carte menu to say, okay, you can pay this much to do this, or, you know, with me, I'm very good at social media. I don't need to pay somebody to do my social media. So then, you know, then that decreases the cost. I designed my own cover, you know, and I had pretty much full control of, of, of tent with that. So that was, that was a good lesson learned on a company you work with. Also to the long process that does take importance of editing and making sure you have someone to edit. Because even in my book, I mean, there'll be a couple of things. I mean, it's not horrible, but even, you know, I'll look through, I'm like, oh, change this to that. But after you look at something for so long, you have editors looking at it. And that's a success. And the reason I wrote the book is because it started when I started working with job seekers. I, they would ask me, what do I need to do to find a job? And so I'd always write down these same things. Are you on LinkedIn? And they're like, what is that? And I say, do you have business cards? You know, we just, I just go through the same things. And then I, then I end up, okay, I got to make this a checklist. So actually the checklist is in the back of my book. And then what I did is I took that checklist and I expanded each of those items into chapters in the book. And I figured if I can get my book in front of more people, and it's a very thin 
very thin book. And the reason you see it's that thin, yes. the book, because especially when you're looking for work, you got so much stuff going on. I don't want to read a big book like this. I mean, I'm frustrated as it is. You know, I'm, you know, people are struggling financially, emotionally. You know, give me something that's practical that I can take and I can, I can apply certain things. And my first chapter in the book was taking care of yourself because that is so important when people, that is important. especially if you're out of a job. Yeah. A lot of people forget to do uh, that. Yep. And that was the first thing I said. You got to take care of yourself in different ways. We can take care of ourselves because it's also reflected when you go sit in that interview. Yeah. I mean, you go to interview, you look tired and haggard. It's going to be a bad impression. Absolutely. And I was a recruiter for over 12 years and I sat on the other side of the desk and interviewed thousands of people. And, I, and you know, and, and I know what that looks like. One thing too, is as a job seeker, you got to remember, you're going to hear probably hear hundreds of no's, but you just have to hear the right yes one time. And so you just got to, you know, keep on going, putting yourself out there. Absolutely. And it has, right? It's just in life, whether you're in sales. And I tell people too, you know, when you're job seeking, you're, you're the CEO of Me Inc. You are the product you're selling and marketing. Get told no, like people in sales get told no. We just got to keep going until that right opportunity comes, not just for, for them, but also for you as well. Yes. Melissa, next talk about a time you failed in the past and what you learned from this failure and what we can learn from this. A couple that have been um, some flops. And I think a lot of it has to do with thinking I can do more than I could. So, and I'll kind of generalize it because this is a couple things, you know, and I have to always tell myself because I feel I can do this much. Yes. Right? And then you don't I'm like, okay, you need to bring in and do what you're good at. And I don't want to say it's, it was a failure, but I think actually in a sense it was because I need to know, okay, don't try to do all this. Try to just hone it in and do what you're good at um, and not try to solve all the problems of the world. Okay. Next, you already, and you pretty much already answered this before, but just expound it a little bit more. How do you add value and solve problems every day? How do you help people out and add value to people? The biggest thing is listening, you know, so quick to have a solution for somebody. It's to be able to listen and truly understand what, what their needs are and to be able to connect them with people. And, and I always say connect with people, especially when we get into the veteran space, because so many people are quick to say, oh, call the VA or call this number. I don't like to tell that. I want to say, call my friend Jason. Here's his phone number or his email. Yes, give me, an extra, extra person to talk. Absolutely, absolutely. That, I mean, just in life, right? And it, yes. just, it, it just helps. And it just, you know, it, it makes somebody feel like you, you really, truly care about them. You're going to help them get to their solution a lot quicker, you know, connect with, with a person and not an 800 number to tell them just to go here. And plus, it seems like you know you're talking about if you actually give an actual person to talk about, oh, Melissa told me to talk to Jason. Melissa's connected to Jason. She must, she must know what she's talking about. So this is a valid. Absolutely. You know, yes. So M Melissa, you've helped out a lot of people through these last years. I want you to talk about somebody who has helped you out in the past and how they helped you. How they've helped me. Let's see. Who can I talk about that's helped me? You know, and again, I'm going to just generalize again because um, it's the people that help you that you don't know that they're helping you. That's very true. That's a very great point. That's like you think you're all alone out there and there are truly people out there that are that are helping you. You don't even realize it maybe until it's done or it could be months later. But there, and, and I do that's being a great leader is knowing that you have people that are, are there to to help you. Not not necessarily, I mean, to follow you, but just because I, I help people up. Other people want to reciprocate and do the same. Yes. Next, I want you to talk about something that most people don't know about you. Sure, you know, your family, close <laughs> friends. But something most people do not know about uh, most people don't know. 
a lot of it, I'm pretty much a, a, an open book. Before I started a women veterans organization, uh, most people didn't know I was in the military. That was always a thing like, oh, you're, you're in the military. My daughter, we adopted her through foster care through Los Angeles County. We got her when she was two months old. She's 12 years old. So as a foster mom first, and then, then we adopted, which that, that took a lot. And actually tomorrow, September 1st, is what we call her gotcha day. That's the day we brought her home 12 years ago. Oh, that's great. Yes. Yeah, I don't know what else people don't know. I mean, I, I do our, when I have time, I do our family's genealogy, you know, just, okay. and I, I started that a long time ago before there was really like the internet. I was actually have to get microfiche, have to go to the library to, to look at them um, to get information because that's where it all, you know, started. They would scan it onto to microfiche. Yeah, that's, that's very important to do. I have a couple yeah. of people in my family doing that right now, trying to get everything together to pass it on. Yeah, absolutely. So Melissa, I understand you have uh, something for our listeners. I'm, I'm very busy and, I, and I'm always on the go or working, whether I'm 36,000 feet in the air or whatever time, but I do. And to be able to give them my time, I do offer free 15 minutes consultation. Um, we could talk about LinkedIn. We could talk about your career, start talk about starting a business. Of course, if you want to hire me after, that's fine. But I just, at least I'm more than happy to donate 15 minutes of my time to anyone. Thank you, Melissa. Next, can you give us any, some of your social media platforms so people can get in touch with you? I'm on all of them except Snapchat. I'm a little too old for that. But the best way to find me is if you, um, you can actually just Google my name, Melissa Washington. I'm there. I'm on, um, I'm on LinkedIn, Melissa Washington. I'm on, I'm on Twitter, both for me and for um, Women Veterans Alliance. I'm on Facebook. Melissa Washington Speaker is my Facebook, is on, on Instagram and Pinterest. So I'm all over. I'm on Google+. Plus, so you could definitely, definitely find me if you just type in my name in Google. Yeah, you're definitely everywhere, even Google+. Plus. That's impressive. Yes. Yes. So for our listeners, we'll have all the show notes. We published show notes. All those links will be on the show notes and on our website. So Melissa, we'll come to the end of our talk. Do you have any last words of wisdom or advice for everybody? Probably the biggest thing is just find a mentor. And it's all, it's a lot of, it's all, it's all up to you. So it's what, what you make of the situation. Yeah. People don't realize how important a mentor is and people have different definitions. My, my definition is most people, the mentors when you go to like, Oh, I'm doing such great things. You know, look at me to me. A mentor should be, Oh crap. I messed up big time. Hey mentor, how do I fix this? You know, is, is my definition of mentor. And you can have more, you know, a mentor, you can call them, whatever you want to call them a coach. Um, you could have your own advisory board of mentors. And uh, so maybe it's three or four people that you go to. And um, so it's not just one person. And that's probably the biggest thing too. You don't, you can have more than, one person to be a mentor because it could be more of a formal relationship, maybe one with the mentor, maybe there's a couple others and um, that you seek to for advice. That's a very good point. Melissa, thank you very much for being on the Cameron Station podcast. You give us a lot of value and you, you're doing a lot of great things for veterans and just people in general. Thank you for everything you do. All right. Thank you so much, Jason, for having me on your podcast. To our listeners, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. I know your time is valuable to you and remember to be great every day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Cadmus HR. For more exclusive content, as well as your free copy of HR Laws, be sure to visit CadmusHR.com or connect to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Cadmus HR or Jason Cadmus HR on Snapchat. Thanks again, and be great every day.